This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening and checking things out. Thanks for sharing these with your friends on Facebook and Twitter and iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn and all those other platforms. I watched the inauguration on Friday, twice actually. I watched it live and then I watched it again with my daughter. She wanted to see it, so we watched it together when she got home from school. And I thought it was good for her to see the traditions, the pageantry, the meanings behind the movements. And while it was mostly a peaceful transition of power, the type that we've come to expect in this country, the type that we expect from our leaders, it was mostly peaceful. It wasn't entirely peaceful. There was violence a few blocks away from protesters throwing rocks at police. That isn't peaceful. And it is time that the Democrat leadership say so, period. But perhaps they're too busy marching in the women's marches to bother denouncing political violence that claims to support their own party. Maybe the fact that it does claim to support the Democrat party clouds their judgment on the issue. And by the way, I really don't know what those marches are trying to accomplish. I have friends marching in them. But I just don't understand what's supposed to be accomplished. What, what specifically do they hope to achieve? The best as I can tell is that they don't want funding for Planned Parenthood cut. And I wonder if Trump and the Republicans do cut funding for Planned Parenthood, will these same women who are marching feel compelled to donate their personal money to that organization to make up the difference in the lack of federal funding? Or is this just a march about how to spend other people's money on your priorities? I wonder. Anyway, that's not the main point today. No, I want to talk about how unprecedentedly dark and depressing and angry and rude Donald Trump's inaugural address was. I mean, if you listen to the pundits or read reactions to that speech, you must feel, you must feel that no one has ever done anything remotely as crass in an inauguration as our president just did. For example, listen to Rachel Maddow. It was militant and it was dark. The crime, the gangs, the drugs, this American carnage, disrepair, decay. You can't imagine the outgoing president giving a speech like that. Really? You can't imagine Obama giving a speech like that. Okay, well, tell you what. Let me play for you some of Trump's supposedly darkest or his rudest passages. Americans want great schools for their children, safe neighborhoods for their families, and good jobs for themselves. These are just and reasonable demands of righteous people and a righteous public. But for too many of our citizens, a different reality exists. Mothers and children trapped in poverty in our inner cities, rusted out factories scattered like tombstones across the landscape of our nation. An education system flush with cash, but which leaves our young and beautiful students deprived of all knowledge. 
and the crime and the gangs and the drugs that have stolen too many lives and robbed our country of so much unrealized potential. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. Okay, and here is Barack Obama in 2009. That we are in the midst of crisis is now well understood. Our nation is at war against a far-reaching network of violence and hatred. Our economy is badly weakened, a consequence of greed and irresponsibility on the part of some, but also our collective failure to make hard choices and prepare the nation for a new age. Homes have been lost. Jobs shed, businesses shutter, our health care is too costly, our schools fail too many, and each day brings further evidence that the ways we use energy strengthen our adversaries and threaten our planet. Threatening our planet. Our whole planet. Now, this isn't about decay here and there. We're threatening our whole planet. All right, how about Bill Clinton, 1993? But when most people are working harder for less... When others cannot work at all, when the cost of health care devastates families and threatens to bankrupt our enterprises, great and small, when the fear of crime robs law-abiding citizens of their freedom, and when millions of poor children cannot even imagine the lives we are calling them to lead, we have not made change our friend. Hmm. Change is not our friend. That's a little dark, isn't it? How about Ronald Reagan, the great communicator? Surely he was always uplifting. Here he is in 1981. These United States are confronted with an economic affliction of great proportions. We suffer from the longest and one of the worst sustained inflations in our national history. It distorts our economic decisions, penalizes thrift, and crushes the struggling young and the fixed-income elderly alike. It threatens to shatter the lives of millions of our people. Idle industries have cast workers into unemployment, human misery, and personal indignity. Those who do work are denied a fair return for their labor by a tax system which penalizes successful achievement and keeps us from maintaining full productivity. But great as our tax burden is, it has not kept pace with public spending. For decades, we have piled deficit upon deficit, mortgaging our future and our children's future for the temporary convenience of the present. To continue this long trend is to guarantee tremendous social, cultural, political, and economic upheavals. Well, yeah, we're actually seeing that going on right now, aren't we? Because we didn't stop our deficit spending that he was talking about. Look, here's the truth, and I've just demonstrated for you. All presidents who were replacing a president from the other party talk about the bad things in America in their inaugural address. They do this on purpose to create a contrast. After all, if everyone thought that the nation was doing great, that person wouldn't have been elected president. No incoming president who thinks of himself as a change agent is going to start off by saying, my fellow Americans, everything is just hunky-dory. Stay the course, thousand points of light. 
Now, see, that's what George H.W. Bush said in 1989 because he represented a continuation of the status quo, not a mandate for change. Trump is a change agent. So was Obama. He was supposed to be. So was Clinton. He was supposed to be. So was Reagan. He actually was. The truth is that the things Trump pointed out as being problems in America are true. And it's true that both Republicans and Democrats must share blame for those failings. Is it rude if it's right? For example, Trump said that Washington has prospered while the rest of the nation hasn't. That's true. Of the top 10 metropolitan areas in America, only two cities have had higher growth since 2001 than our nation's capital, Dallas and Houston. And you got to give some of that credit to Rick Perry because he was governor for most of that time, time frame. Dallas and Houston, they're the only two that have higher growth over the last 16 years. New York, L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, Atlanta, Boston, all have lagged behind Washington, D.C., all of them. Chicago, the president's hometown, has fared the worst of the top 10 cities in America. No wonder the president's staying in D.C. rather than going home. Things are better in D.C. That's not dark or divisive. It's true. We have protected the borders of other countries while failing to enforce ours. That's true. We have given money to other countries while running up the largest debt in the history of the world. Given that fact alone, isn't it time that we focus on helping our own nation as much as we've helped out other nations? If this was your personal financial situation, would you sit down with your family, you have a little sit down at the dinner table and you say to everybody, look, we have got to start taking care of our business before we spend money on others. Wouldn't you do that? This isn't sustainable. It has to change. That's what Trump is trying to say when he says America first. It's not dark. It's not divisive. It's smart. But perhaps the problem is that those pundits aren't actually listening. They're not actually hearing what Trump is saying. Perhaps they're hearing things he's not saying and isn't trying to say and doesn't really mean. Would it, would it be that crazy if our political elites in this country are so upset about Trump because they're thinking they hear secret code words and dog whistles and are getting all bent out of shape over some fictional offenses? America first. We know how he has used that as a campaign slogan that does also have very dark echoes in American history. There was an America first committee that formed in this country, hundreds of thousands of people in this country, some of the richest businessmen in the country who were part of it. They were formed to keep us out of World War II, traded by the Nazis. Many of them were anti-Semitic, part of why they weren't alarmed by Hitler's rise in Germany. The America first committee um, is something that means a specific thing in this country. To repurpose it now, not that far down the historical path, um, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to hear. I find it so ironic that she's saying all that with Stars and Stripes forever playing in the background. Anyway, Rachel Maddow thinks Trump's America First slogan is anti-Semitic. 
she thinks he secretly hates the Jews. That's why he's using it. Wouldn't it be sad if she was angry and upset at Trump because of something she thinks he said when that wasn't actually what he said or even meant at all? Wouldn't that be just about the saddest thing that all these protests and acts of violence, acts of political violence, they were because people were angry about something that wasn't actually happening? I think it would be very sad. Oh, by the way, the first person who spoke after Trump was Rabbi Marvin Heyer. Rabbi Marvin Heyer was asked by Donald Trump to pray for Donald Trump and to pray for America. Maybe, just maybe, America First has nothing to do with the failed political movement from 80 years ago and has more to do with helping our nation today, here, now, today. Maybe America First isn't anti-Semitic, but pro-America. And since America is supposed to be a shining city upon a hill, being pro-America shouldn't be seen as something that's dark. It's about restoring the glimmer to the shining city upon a hill. Well, thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, AmericaOnPar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light of the morning, I can see old glory flying over me.